0: Hey, hoi noiros. Welcome to another edition. Uh, you turned into our nightmare alley, if you will, <laughs> of Out of the Podcast. It's a night episode, guys, so you know what that means. Canada Dry, ginger ale.
1: <laughs> That's a, that sounded really good, actually.
0: I feel like the Just mic picked that up.
1: Yeah, the mic picked up pretty good on that.
0: I should hope so. We are an audible medium over here.
1: That's true. I've got my Pib over here, my favorite Mr. soda.
0: Mr. Pib over here.
1: Pib Extra, yeah.
0: Daniel himself, welcome.
1: Thank you. Welcome to you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Gentleman Joseph, if we're getting classy, saying Reason welcome it. to the show. Welcome. We just talked a couple of days ago doing our neo-noir episodes. I don't know even, I don't even know what we got, man. I barely yeah, not... filled up the time. I've been watching Kids in the Hall, been watching mm-hmm. News Radio, Incredible Hulk, Superman, the animated series. Wow. How do trying all to squeeze time? in movies. I don't. That's the hilarious <laughs> joke of it. But the good thing about working from home is I can watch these things and, and work at the same time. So That's true. That, that is
1: That is good. Yeah. I can't focus like that. I, I have to have music in the background when I work. I can't like...
0: Oh, I'm not really doing good. Good to, Like, I mean, at least with some of this stuff, I mean, really everything I just listed, I know inside and out. So I don't really need to pay too much attention. Yeah. It's just like an audio play for me. But yeah. mostly I listen to music. It's it's true.
1: Yeah. I can get more in the zone with, with music.
0: Or I just listen to our podcast nonstop. I love this thing.
1: <laughs> just on a, on a loop, just listening to yourself. Yeah. Ugh,
0: talk about beans to suicide you'd feel like a real uh, geek if you did that uh keeping it apropos but yeah i don't know i have no focus in general it's just been fall hitting hard feels good but i got nothing yeah i mean i i you know i,
1: I don't necessarily love the cold weather but I, I do enjoy the 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 foliage and the the color like, changing like it's, i like it's, the in
0: between where we're at right yeah. now you know it, it's comfortable you get an excuse to wear some long sleeves if you will
1: right little hoodie hoodie time you know
0: yeah i mean i just we i was sweating for so long throughout summer spring early fall so i i always take a nice comfortable respite if i can before the harshness of winter kicks in like a like a snowy fist
1: (laughs) i don't think i've ever heard it phrased that way but yeah that makes total sense to me
0: that's how we say it in connecticut i guess
1: oh is that is that a connecticut thing
0: it is now. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Northeast.
1: Yeah. The Northeast Corridor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's this uh, weather guy I I found on public access. I'm afraid to reveal too much because I don't want people to find him. Mm-hmm. But he did ask for guests recently, and I, I, I almost want us to go on the show.
1: <laughs> and what, what kind of show is it? It's public access?
0: It's public access. It started with him doing like a weather show but then he just does like a he calls it a variety show but he really just like talks to any old person usually people he meets at the dunkin donuts and yeah they come in and just talk a bunch of bullshit and then that's it's, wild it is wild i will privately send this to you Derek. Okay. <laughs> maybe i don't even know you you can't show it to anybody i don't want this to get out okay in any way whatsoever so maybe even i'll be even be talking just about like, it i don't know you and i could talk about it now <laughs> Okay, because I have not given enough specifics, but mm-hmm. yeah, I want this thing to fail as much as possible, so it's only mine.
1: It's a little selfish, but I, I I will definitely check it out.
0: When I'm on my deathbed, I will be happy to let Planet Earth in on this and let them know. Like okay, <laughs> at that it's point, it's yours now. This your is what kept, this is what kept me going. Yes, yeah, exactly. Which I will totally be able to predict. I'll know it's coming, and I'll be like, okay, time to wrap up some business. Dan, there's a key. At a bus station, I need you to find. It has all the lost episodes of the podcast.
1: Well, first, it's going to have a note with instructions that I have to decode to lead me to the to where those are. Right? That's yeah. That's I'll give the, you a, yeah
0: a real zodiac kind of
1: okay. Some,
2: pu- some puzzle work, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And
0: then then you'll go to the bus station, and then you'll open up some briefcase, and some some light will come out, and I then like you get it. And the, then you get in the floating car, and we do a little uh, kiss me deadly Repo Man combo.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say Greece.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> we could say Greece. Dan, this episode is off the rails officially. Yeah. You got anything to bring to this?
1: You know what? I've been, I, I've been trying to rack my brain to try to think if I could find anything interesting. But I think, like you said, I think we, we talk so frequently and we, we've been doing the bonus episodes. So I feel like, you know. Not only
0: doing the bonus episodes, but doing the bonus episodes, like literally like right before we do this. Like we get a uh-huh. night to watch the movie and then it's right back to another record. So. Yeah. No, I, uh, November draining the juices of the podcast, possibly the death nail of the podcast. Were we too ambitious with Neo November?
1: I don't know. I I was thinking about that. I mean, it's a lot of content. It's a lot of content. It's Um, a lot
0: of content. It's it's
1: really, this is going to be a test. This is a very busy month for us. So
0: it's a lot of content to create. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) To watch. Yes. But we're, we're, that's what we're here.
1: We're here to do it. You know, we're, we're in it. We're doing it.
0: We're in it to win it. We are. Yeah. We are competitive. We're famously competitive. Yes. I mean, we are the number one film noir podcast in the world.
1: Is that is that for sure? I, <laughs> I, 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 That's the first. Could I'm that pause
0: have been any less convincing? Uh, I I have no idea. Who's out there?
1: Yeah.
2: I like know. I said, I, I know there
0: there was people, but they're, they're, they've since passed on.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and then when the they ghosts of this podcast episode, passed. They hear this episode and, then, and then, they, then they jump ship. You think they listen? Who?
0: Everybody wants to know what the competition is, right? Yeah. Well,
1: I think someone listens to this, right?
0: What do you have to say to the competition, Dan?
1: I say, bring it on.
0: <laughs> you want someone to come up with a podcast that can compete against ours and, and uh, sure. take our shine? Sure, absolutely. I, is I our think... luck not that, the, that there's, it's such a barren field and we're able to come in and, and be innovators, futurists? Yeah. No, I, I like the idea of
1: of not even competition. I, I just like the idea of, of just this existing. I think we talked about it before, just, you know, having a, a, a platform or having the ability to kind of just, you know, open the discussion about these films, I think is important. So the more the merrier. That's how I feel.
0: You want to open the discussion of today's film, Nightmare Alley? I think we probably have lots to talk about.
1: We do. I I have to say, first off, this movie was fascinating to me.
0: I I can't deny that. It was fascinating. Yeah, very, very conflicted opinions. Nothing negative, I would say. Just Well, other than, like, not a negative, but just a critique. Okay. An observation, I feel. That's more what I mean to say.
2: Hmm, okay. All right.
0: I guess I could say it now. I I just, the cinematography did nothing for me. Like, Hmm. I just wanted it to be a little more shadowy or Well, there was some fog. You got. Yeah. I gotta give. I gotta give it that. I think like when it it came to those kinds of scenes, especially you know hashtag Fogcast, that was almost one of the best scenes of the movie, if not. But otherwise, like I, I just, it was a little lacking. It was very very bland. Like it just, mm-hmm. it was serviceable, but it wasn't even anything I could say like, oh, it needs a restoration because Criterion did a very fine job with this. Mm-hmm. But it just, it just was compared to what we typically do, and and knowing that the director really wasn't even like a film noir director. Like it, it does make sense.
1: Yeah. And I think that was one of the more interesting things. I mean, I was even checking out some of the, the extra content on the, like the bonus features on the Blu-ray and they're even mentioning that one of the reasons like, they think why the director wasn't so well known is that he did a lot of different variety of films and didn't necessarily have like a, like a very distinctive style. Like he was a good director. They said he was a very competent director, but the fact that he didn't have such a, you know, very like auteur kind of eye, I guess, you know, it It, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. So yeah, and that makes sense to me, like you said. It's like, yeah, I think it was adequate. Nothing really jumped out to me. There's a couple of little scenes I thought were cool. There is a scene, I mean, yeah. a, we're, we're jumping ahead, but there, there's one scene where they're in like a dinner hall and it starts off really low and you just see certain aspects of it. It's really, well, I don't want to go too far into it, but th- I thought that was really neat. There's a couple couple shots here and there, but yeah, nothing, nothing like, Super amazing. Nothing that so blew
0: wrong. me away. But, yeah. you know, we'll get into it. But we're, we're talking Nightmare Alley. This thing was released October 9th, 1947 from old 20th Century Fox. Friend of the show, old Daryl Zanuck is back again. Mm-hmm. This was directed by Edmund Goulding, who we were just poo-pooing upon uh, with a mm-hmm. screenplay from Jules Firthman based on the novel of the same name from William Lindsay Gresham. Cinematography by Lee Garms, who also not adequate job but (laughs) Mm. and edited by barbara mclean and i will say she did a cool job i know she was sort of the 20th century fox studio editor but Mm -hmm. the editing in this was noticeably good yeah welcome to the show the carnival show yes (laughs) nightmare alley i will say because there was a lot of when we were coming up with our Halloween noir, horror noir, it was like, mm-hmm. oh boy, should we include this? And in retrospect, I will say, I'm glad we didn't do this for Halloween. I don't think it would have ultimately fit.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Because I think it's a little bit misleading when you, when you hear Nightmare Alley. Like you, you, and you, you hear about the that, general... And
0: you, I vaguely had seen the images. I mean, there, some, yeah. it's a very screenshot-worthy film in certain parts. So I you know, I had gotten the gist that the and with the carnival, like that there's something going on. It could have been very cool and spooky, but mm-hmm. ultimately it's just not enough of the film to really to put it in that kind of category, I think.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think the one thing that I really found super interesting was that it really had like a, a large budget. Like it was basically like an A budget, but the the actual content of it was very B and very like unsavory for the time and it's just fascinating that juxtaposition of you know you have this like really high production value and budget but like the things that they're talking about are super like i think especially at that time maybe off-putting to people you know
0: what's that you mean people biting the heads off of chickens yeah no just like just a lot of yeah a lot
1: of the subject matter you know uh, <laughs> just a lot of weird stuff going on like it just you know the they're kind of pulling the wool over people's eyes and it's you know with these kind of vaudeville but like deceptive things you know what i mean it's kind of like
0: classic carnival it sounds like so you got tyrone power as stan carlisle stanton to uh you know if you're being classy about it he's been working the carnival he's he knows magic he knows how to play the like what would you say his specialty is dan like psychic kind of stuff yeah, it's it's an interesting trajectory
1: because it, it's kind of like it, it's it, the, the the movie has like a, an arc in the, me- the middle with him. But the beginning, it, it seems like he's he's just joined on with this carnival and he's like kind of like an extra hand. So like you don't really get the sense that he's like he has all these kind of powers, I think, under the surface, but you don't really see that right away. He seems like he's kind of on the periphery, you know.
0: Well, I mean, you kind of see his powers, but the fact he's very popular with the ladies. Well, yeah, that, yes. I mean, that seems to be his main hustle at at that moment. But I mean, you can see that he's just very charming and very persuasive. But clearly, Mm -hmm. this guy's got, you know, some sort of crooked ace up his sleeve. So you got to watch out for him. He's a hunk, you know. He's a hunk. And speaking of hunks, we're talking about the geek here. We we open with him just completely just wondering and, and talking about the geek. For people that don't know, a geek is someone who's into a very nerdy culture, right, Dan? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then th- those people then bite the heads off of chickens. Pretty brutal stuff. <laughs> yeah. Geeks, conceptually, that that was something in our history that people really were wanted to see someone at their lowest. It, it seems like right. it was just like you wanted to see someone be pathetic and have to bring themselves to do something like that for money. And
1: Yeah, I mean, it was people that were people- kind of at their... like the end as far as like either you know alcoholic or or drug addicts and stuff like that that basically they would just pay them in alcohol you know or or substances or whatever you know and that was like their payment yeah we'll keep you fed give you a place to
0: sleep and a bottle of questionable alcohol
1: yeah moonshine that'll do it
0: yeah um and stan he's been working with xena played by joan bondell she's she is a psychic and he's been kind of helping out with that, especially because she has a husband, Pete, who's just a drunken mess. Yeah. He can't help with the mind reading act. Like you see, he's below the stage writing down these questions before they get burned so they can just trick people into thinking that there's a psychic.
1: I really like seeing that though. Cause like, you're kind of like anticipating like, how are they doing this? Like, what is the trick? You know? And, and then you, you see it and like, it's kind of neat. Like when they show you the camera down and stuff like that. And you're like, and you're
0: going through it all. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. And Pete is just a total mess. Him and uh, Zena, they used to have a better act before everything fell apart. And Zena really wants to make her way back to that, but she won't leave Pete behind. She feels absolute loyalty to him. Also you got Molly. Who is an assistant to Bruno, the strong man? <laughs> and he's a yes. he's a big timer. He can see that Stan is is moving in on Molly. He doesn't like it. She's very, you know, young, naive, impressionable. And also, Molly, total babe. A lot of babes in this movie, damn.
1: Dude, I was gonna say it. I was waiting for you to like, like she is, is like gorgeous, and especially in this movie, Colleen Gray. I was yeah, just I mean, like,
0: she she's been around. Uh, yeah. she was in, in the killing. We've seen her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, she's, she's in a lot. But this this was the the standout knockout. I mean, it's the yeah. outfit. It's everything. Everything. It's, it's a she's yeah. a total babe. I can For understand sure. why Stan does what he does. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I, I, once that started progressing oh, no, I, I, guess, like, like, I get it. <laughs> I don't know how young she is like they did kind of play into that but
1: no, I think it's yeah, as, I mean, as long as it's legal in real life I, I think at the time she was prob when this was filmed she was like
0: 25. Well, yeah, I get that, Dan. So, of course, we're yeah. talking that in real life. But I just mean in yeah. the movie, I don't, I don't remember how young she was. I, they didn't been. mention it. But I think she's, well, she's definitely younger
1: than all, all the other principal characters. So they try to play it like she's just this, quote, unquote, young, naive person. But, I mean, they, she could have been playing, like, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, 21, something like that. You well, know? she
0: certainly like, was young enough that they, you know, later on forced them to get married. So, yeah, that might have been part of it. Uh, there's also we we see as we're meeting everybody, all the carnies and stuff. We get some cops that show up trying to bust down the old carnival. And this is where you really get to see Stan at work, and oh he's yeah, able, he's able to make sure everything goes smooth. And you also get to see, speaking of Molly and her outfit and everything, they're like, hey, th- this this young woman is dressed too scandalously, and then they're like, no no no, when we put her on this chair with electric currents. You know, she needs to not have anything on her. So burst into flames. And this is where you get the really cool scene where she's got these, you know, electric currents going through her fingers. I loved it. This was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I, that I, that this is that all the stuff I cold. wish there was more of, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you do what you do. But yeah, that effect was amazing. Like, it's yeah. very convincing. They did a they did a great job on that. I would also have been convinced <laughs> yeah. at that point. The,
1: the way that he really sells that sheriff, you know, <laughs> from, from basically, like, he was so, like, just gruff and ardent in his ways, and then he basically just like completely converted him, you know. And and that's a theme that comes up a lot with the idea of kind of using, you know, almost like a religious background in a way to try to pull, tug at people's heartstrings and and so forth, and with memories and stuff like that of childhood and things like that to really kind of manipulate them. So that was like this is like one of the first like a real instances that you see with him, like where he really like clicks, you know, it just like turns on for him.
0: And he's not going to stop. This guy is in the zone.
3: Yes. Now, Marshall, this is none of my business because I see that you're a man who is fully capable of handling his own affairs and almost anything else that's liable to come along. But my scotch blood is working right this minute. And it tells me that there is one thing in your life that's worrying you. Something that you find very difficult to handle. Because all your strength and your courage and your authority in the town seems to be of no avail. It seems to slip through your grasp like water. Wait a minute, young fella. Who you been talking to? As I say, Marshal, it's absolutely none of my business. You're a man in the prime of life, old enough to be my father. By rights, you should be the one to be giving me good advice, not the other way around. Where's everybody? Joe, come on. Him. Put those lights out. Get that crown out of here. Beat it. Think he can pull it off? Look, at him. I told you that kid had it. I sense that there are antagonistic influences surrounding you. Come here. Someone near to you is jealous of you and your ability son that's the gospel truth
0: also he's been talking with xena about possibly them going off and starting their own act Zena used to have this code with her husband that just they would speak in a certain way so they would know what it meant <laughs> what people were saying what yeah they were down like know. well we're gonna get more into that code later but it's you can save very much with just an inflection, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I was still trying to figure out the whole movie. <laughs> and then um Tozina, she's like, I can't go and do this this new life yet. I I gotta take care of my husband. And I'm trying to make sure he's not drinking as much. He's down to like she has him on a shot a day regimen. <laughs> <laughs> but then Stanley's also like, you know, hey, maybe we could make some money and we could help fix him we can we can get him rehabbed if we need to mm-hmm. so she takes out her tarot cards or tarot as she says yeah for direction and she you know she's just trying to figure out what we can do but it's not looking good we got the hanged man we got death they're saying it's not looking good for Pete and it's pretty much going to be right away he's going to die <laughs> this is the first time we see uh Zina has a problem with her cards she keeps dropping them on the floor like come on yeah same 52 pickup Zena <laughs> but all is well. We're going off to get a little weekend booze from <laughs> the local moonshiner out of his little moonshine trailer. And he's able to even get an advance on the, the $2 bit of moonshine and he's off to drink it. But then he is old Pete coming by stumbling, hungry for booze. No one's selling to him because Xena had stopped everyone from doing so. Stan hides the bottle. He puts it in Zena's trunk. And he talks to Pete and he he sees him going through withdrawal. He feels a little bad for him. So he's like, you know what? I got this bottle. Here you go. I know Zena's looking to get you off of this, but let's do it. But then it's the next morning and old Pete is dead. He overdosed on wood alcohol of all things, which is like, hey, wait a second. Where did we get that? And Stan is able to go away from this crowd that is gathered around and look in the trunk and realize he had grabbed the wrong bottle so that's yeah.
1: good <laughs> yeah I, it definitely like it throws you i mean it throws you because you're in the same like you're you're in his eye in his shoes you know like you don't know just like he doesn't know and you're like oh crap <laughs> didn't it's, know that was in the trunk and he just basically drank it. and 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 yeah it's it's you know it goes with the theme of like what the tarot cards say you know that's he said he was gonna die and guess what he, he died pretty quickly after that
0: yeah it's like almost like those things are real or something yeah in, at least in this universe. In this my, mystical universe. <laughs> so Stan, he has been getting close with Molly and he's saying like, why don't we go run off and do this thing? I think I have the code from Xena. That was the only reason I was interested in her. Why don't we go ahead and do our own thing? And this around this point, this is when they realize that Molly and Stan, they arrive when the troop has done at, together at this cafe and they see that, uh-oh, <laughs> Molly and Stan, they're clearly together. Bruno and Zena totally realizes this, and they're like, yo, dude, she's super young. Bruno starts to throw him around. Something interesting about this movie is no one ever throws a punch. Like, it's very almost violent, but not quite...
1: Yeah, considering how large Bruno is, like you just assume like, if he like landed one punch on Stan, he would have knocked yeah. him out. Like He's
0: doing everything, but I don't know if he was just trying to intimidate him, but I was just waiting for him to throw some blows, and unfortunately, it did not happen. But he's like, you know what? This is uh, the old shotgun wedding, if you will, but the guns are my muscles, mm-hmm. so you guys, you're going to go ahead and have to get married. Stan's like, fine, that's cool. Molly's a total babe, like that's no problem. But I'm going to go ahead and leave the carnival. I'm ready to get into my new act. And so now he's known as the Great Stanton.
1: <laughs> very clever.
0: <laughs> very clever. He's in Chicago working at a hotel and he's doing very, very well
1: there. Yeah, that opening shot where you first see him and he's blindfolded in the middle of the room. And it's just like the, the way the camera is in the crowd, it's just in like a little break in the crowd. And that, that setup of the scene is really cool. I, I really like that shot.
0: I can see that shot working for him. Cause that seems like more of Golding's like wheelhouse, you know, like the kind yeah. of movies he did, it was very much those things. So it's like those scenes always did succeed because it just, it wasn't complicated for him. But like, yeah, I, I think certain things like with the carnival just was too cool. Not to just be amazing. Like there's no way to really fuck that up, but just, Mm-hmm. other than that it just it lacked some a uh, style you know like a oomph it, it just it was a, it was just able to rely like on, on the the coolness of the plot like the plot is very very cool the story is very cool yeah like i think a lot of that it was just coasting off of that more so than any kind of cinematography or direction and in a lot of ways like acting i mean like it, it, everyone does a, a good job but it's like no one's spectacular really you know mm-hmm. i think in this case it's interesting to see tyrone power do a different kind of role just because of his swashbuckling past you know it's fucking yeah. zorro you know? <laughs>
1: yeah he, this is definitely out of character for him so like um, in that
0: sense it definitely is cool but it's still just not like i mean no one does anything i mean i would say really the the best one is who we're about to meet here uh lilith Ritter, played by helen walker i think yeah I think she does a good job with the performance and the character that she has to play the psychologist. But other than that, I just, I wasn't particularly impressed by anybody.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Tyron power. I thought like his, his like going from where he came from to where he goes to in the, in, like in the arc. And then at, by the end, like, I think he does a good job with it. Like, I, I don't I think, think by it, the end, yeah. you
0: see he, he does some cool things, but it's just so little like i mean we're, all, we're pretty much done with the movie by the time we get to that point like it wasn't mm-hmm. enough to really breathe or be blown away by it. but I, I i mean i didn't i would say like it was cool like yeah at the end but we'll, we'll get to that so during the show everything's going great they're writing down these questions molly's saying it in a certain way the great stanton's able to do his blindfold tricks now you got lilith Ritter a, like i said a psychologist she's there and she's like this guy come on so she tries to trick him She submits a fake question about the health of her mother, but he totally figures it out. He's like, your mom's dead. Come on, Lilith. What are you doing here? Yeah. Can't fool me. Can't fool me. So she's like, you know what, Stan, you got the goods. So why don't you go ahead and come into my office? I think I got a job for you. They're talking. Then we get the arrival of Mrs. Peabody. Who's a socialite patient. We can Mm -hmm. see that she has a very classy clientele. And she's like, I'll meet up with you later. So, Stan leaves, he's, like, in the in-between office, the waiting room. Well, it
1: it almost looks like when he goes out of the room, it almost looks like a separate doctor's office, like, room. Like, it looks like it just, they're just, like, a door separating.
0: Connected. Yeah, Maybe she's just renting that office because, yeah, he waits there in the dark. And when she's done, she comes through there. And that's where we find out she's been recording her patients. She's been cutting fresh lathes. (laughs) Yeah, on
1: records, yeah.
0: On records. She's a very valuable resource in these times, Dan. Yes. If only we had one. <laughs> Maybe she has a, a two-year wait as well. Yeah. People coming in and, and recording uh, live to tape from uh, her, her psychiatrist studio.
1: Yeah. Maybe sam-
0: sample those a little bit <laughs> or something. There you go. But yeah, she's recording people. She's got a whole LP collection of people's secrets. And Stan's like, I see what you're doing. You're using this information to get money out of these wealthy clients. And she's like, "I don't. I don't agree with this. Mm. I you get get out of my office. But then uh, we have another performance, and we meet Zena and Bruna again. And Stan is not happy to see old friends like Molly is. No, these are not welcome faces. And of course, Zena brought her tarot cards. Mm-hmm. Can't leave hope without them. <laughs> nope. And she's like, pretty much pulls the exact same cards. There's one on the ground again, the death card. After that, Stan he gets a massage with alcohol which then of course brings him back to Pete's death. So he doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know what? We gotta, we gotta keep at it. We gotta up the game. We have to go to what he calls the spook racket. Mm -hmm. You know, things gotta be a little, little otherworldly if we can. Yes. And so now we're back at the show, Mrs. Peabody, the patient of uh, Lilith comes in and the great Stan, he's able to use all the information he heard on the recording about uh, her dead daughter and everything. And, He's even like, "Do you want me to give a message to her ghost?" And then he yeah. faints. <laughs> it's a good show. Yeah, and that brings in our old friend Ezra Grindle. What <laughs> an what a, <laughs> what a name! Say
1: quite a name.
0: Played by Taylor Holmes, a much better name. Mm. This is who we're gonna go ahead. This is our rube. Uh, Mrs. Peabody's like, work with Ezra Grindle. He's a bit of a skeptic, though. But you know. They're going to set up a meeting and Grindel's like, I'm going to get Stan. I'm going to expose this guy. Mm. And meanwhile, now Lilith, she's like, hey, you know what, Stan, you're a charming guy. I like the sound of all this money you're offering. Why don't we go ahead and team up? We're going to figure out how to approach Grindel. I'm going to let you know in my in the secret recordings that he has a dead girlfriend, long lost love, Dory. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he'd like to speak with her. This is how we're going to get to him. Grindel... He talks to Stan. He, this is where he's really playing up the religiousness and everything. And he's like, you know what? I like you. You got the goods. Here's $150,000 in cash. We're going to build a tabernacle. Everybody loves those. Maybe we can get a radio station if, uh, if you can talk to Dory. And so Stan goes to Lilith. He gives her the cash. She says, hold on to this. Let's not spend it. We really want to make sure we got him in the bag. So she puts it in her, her little safe, which had a sliding up picture. I never really saw that before. Usually yeah, It was pretty out. neat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Between that and her making records, she's, she's got a cool little office there.
1: Yeah. And, it, yeah the, and the record player slides in. There's like a little like hatch that that yeah. slides over to the other room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got to get that set up.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I dig <laughs> that.
0: So now we also have photographs of Dory and Stan. He goes to Molly and asks her to do the impossible, to impersonate her. We're really gonna scam this guy. She does not like it. She's feeling religiously guilty. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know what? I'm gonna leave you. I love you so much, but this just isn't gonna do it for me. But ultimately, she changes her mind. He's able to convince her, and now we're at a at Grindel's estate. This is where we're we're getting real foggy. Well, I, I her- I, let's
1: take one second. Just I want to I want to make sure that we mentioned that. When they first got married and there's that scene where they're in the hotel room together and she basically says like, oh, I'm going to be the best wife for you. Like, I'm going to do whatever you say. Like, she's like, I, you know, I'm not even going to look at another man. Like, like she she's like investing her whole being into her marriage with Stan. So basically she gets to this point. She's like, she's doing everything that he, he wants her to do, but gets to this point now where she's just like, this is where she says like, no, I'm not doing this.
0: And rightfully so.
1: Yes. Like this, this is like her breaking point of like, no, I, this isn't right. Like I'm not doing that. Cause I think this kind of plays into what happens next. I just wanted to make sure we, we cover
0: that. Yes. Because we're at the estate stands pulling the moves and he's like, I, I think we can, <laughs> we can, and this, get yeah, this seems
1: ridiculous too. I mean, yeah, it's, it's amazing.
0: They're like in they're like a woodsy area of the estate. Mm-hmm. and and stan he's able to conjure up dory in the background you got <laughs> molly there and it it could be her you know
1: all dressed up and yeah it's 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 wild yeah
0: great scene he's totally buying it but of course molly she fucking blows it this pissed me off so much dan where you're just like come on you already agreed to it at this point like just run off into the woods and call it a day but she i mean she broke down because she saw
1: how much he was like Upset by it. Uh, oh, I understand why it yeah.
0: happened. I'm just still just like, that's so lame. Like, you don't get to that point and then just back out. So, no good. Stan freaks. He's, he doesn't know what to do. He freaks he's out. Pissed. Yeah. He's pissed. So, he pushes Grindle and he <laughs> breaks his neck against a, a tree, I guess.
1: Yeah, it was pretty brutal. I don't pretty know brutal, yeah. Like, yeah.
0: whatever happened to that stunt man? oof. But, like, yeah, <laughs> he's, he dies from that. That's no good and we're feeling pretty worried about it. We're off on the run. Stan goes over to uh, Lilith to kind of regroup and, and figure out what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Stan had also dropped off Molly back at the hotel. It's like, meet me later at a train station. Yes. Go, he goes to Lilith. She gives him back the money. He's like, all right, cool. Let's just go out of town. We'll wait for things to calm down and read the papers. Nothing happens. Give me a call. We'll, we'll get back to it. Sounds good. Stan gets a cab. Heads to, he's going to the train station. It's taking a while, but, you know, you do what you got to do. And he's like, you know, what? I got a little time. Why don't I go ahead and check this envelope? And he finds that it's uh, stuffed with $151 bills. It's not the the right amount of money at all.
1: Not $150,000. Not even close. <laughs> big, big difference. Yeah, and this was in the, the taxi, right? Yeah, he catches it in the taxi. Yeah, but yeah,
0: exactly. And then he's like, I know I was just a total dick to you, making you speed up, cab driver, but now Probably you're going to have to go ahead and turn around. And the cab driver, he pulls a beautiful Yui. Just a shout out to that Yui. Yes, yeah. Well done. Good good job. Good Chicago Yui. And so he goes back to Lilith, and he's like, uh, what the fuck? And she's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You're a patient of mine. You're, you're clearly crazy. And by the way, I have a recording of your confession about how, you know, you were involved with Pete's death, about the, the wrongful drinking, because that had come up too, by the way.
1: And it's his guilt that yep. that's causing this. And yeah. Yep. The, the, and
0: then a police siren comes and he's like, do you hear that? And
3: she's like, no, I don't hear anything. <laughs> it's like, it's great. I can prove that you've been in this with me from the start. That's another thing, Mr. Carlyle, which clearly indicates the serious nature of your malady. Since I've been your counselor, you've made a strange transference to me. You see me as a confederate who's cheated you. That explains your entrance by way of the fire escape tonight. Really, Mr. Carlyle, I hate to say this to you, but you simply must have hospital care. These hallucinations of yours, we can't have you wandering about getting into trouble, can we? Listen, you can't bluff me with that doctor-patient baloney. I want that dough. I want that...
1: Yeah, this that whole thing blew my mind. I was like, I was like, because I yeah, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting it, and then it happens. You're like, oh man, she's got him now. It's like, wow, she's pretty devious. Like, how she re- how
0: she plays it too. I mean, she doesn't give it up for a second. That she like is like, ha, I got you. She's just like, no, what's up going on? Like, you're insane. You think yeah. for a second like maybe he the, the sirens weren't real. You know, like maybe this is a real crazy twist.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was that was yeah quite a quite a twist indeed. She really put put one over on him. Who you know the whole movie. I mean, he really has the upper hand pretty much everywhere he goes. But then finally someone else kind of turns the tables on him. You know, it really, really gets him. Yeah.
0: And as far as noir consequences go, nothing for her. She, she makes off. Everything's great. Yep. We don't see her from here on out. And shout out to Lilith, just the hero of the movie. She, she pulls it off. She really does. Stan. He's like, all right, well, I've met my match. I'm going to go back, (laughs) go back to Molly now. I guess I love her since we didn't work out.
1: So well, is, that, is that what it is? do you do you think that there there was like a romantic component to
0: that? I don't know necessarily about romantic, but he definitely was going to be like, "This is my next meal ticket. Like, this is where I'm mm-hmm. headed next." But yeah. yeah, he he definitely was going to bail on Molly. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't I don't think he had any like love for Molly. I mean, I think he he liked her a whole lot, but I don't know if he's capable of feeling love as a character. I, I think that's yeah. just sort of how he is. He he's just looking for the next opportunity. Yeah. You know, I definitely, I'm sure he had some
1: type of feelings for Molly, but yeah, maybe the strength Absolutely, but
0: I'm just saying, I don't know if it's love. Like, I wouldn't say, especially not in the way that she loves him. Right. Uh, I just think, yeah, she just was, unfortunately got hooked up with this sucker. Because, I mean, there's scenes with Stan and and Lilith where they're getting very, very close and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're alluding to having a Molly-less relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but he's like, you know what, (laughs) she's she's uh she's it for me goes back to the train station he hands molly their life savings and is like you got to go back to the carnival if you can and then he kisses her as the train pulls away mm. um, i like the little a- jump
1: that he does the second like, the yeah. second
0: kiss yeah I, I also had that in my notes that I, I actually really liked that That was a good touch yeah but you know from here on out things are getting pretty dark He's getting drunker. He's got nowhere to to stay. He's hanging out with the hobos, doing fortunes with them at the railroad tracks. That was a good time. He's passing around the bottle and they're just chucking it completely. And just like, hey, what what do you think, man? What what do you think is going to happen? I I love that. Yeah. And so he's like, you know what? I got to go ahead and find another job. He finds another carnival. He's trying to get a classier job. He talks to the owner. And it's like pretty clear that it's like, Hey, remember the beginning of the movie, dude? That's you now.
1: Yeah, he basically you're, becomes like what Pete was, yeah.
0: You're yeah. drunk, you're like he's like clearly you're I can smell it on you. You look like you look like things are bad for you. So it's just like, you know what? For this job, you're made for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But as so not, not as like a headliner like he was before. I mean, he get, goes, you know, obviously, you He might
0: be a people like a geek. I mean, it seems to be enough of an attraction that people go to see it.
1: Right. But not, like, I mean, he, he he goes in with the idea of, like, I'm this name. No, he's and like, like, you need, like, a, I have this you need
0: a magician? Right. Yeah. You know, do you need a palm reader? Any, anything. And they're like, nah, we got enough of that. It's a dime a dozen. We need people to bite the head off of chicken. That's that's what's hard to find. Especially a guy like you. You look like you'd have a nice fall from grace. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, cool. This would be an amazing end to the movie. But unfortunately, they decided to give us a little more after that. and we're at the carnival and you're hearing that the new geek he's gone crazy and then it turns out molly is now working at this same carnival oh boy what a coincidence yeah and she finds stan he's freaking out i will say as i said i didn't like this scene i did love his performance in it this is what i was mm-hmm. saying like he really you did feel a nice little switch with them he's just yelling like a crazed maniac yeah he's able to recognize molly and she's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of you. <laughs> Poor Molly. I'm, you know, I got you. And he's like, all right. I, I recognize you, drunk as I am. Let's do it. Let's get to the end. Yeah, it's, like like said, Alley. it's It's
1: really, yeah, it's really come full circle with the relationship of Zena and Pete, and they've kind of supplanted that type of relationship. You know, it's kind of it really has come full circle.
0: And thank God they beat us over the head with that last scene to really let us know yeah. that that was the case. I hated that. I was. I loved that it was like okay. He's we have our own full circle. He's in the office. He's taking the geek role. It was a perfect ending, and it was like, what a nice twist on the noir ending where it's like this is this is the comeuppance that he's getting, you know? Well, I think
1: I read somewhere that like Daryl Oh yeah, Dan. Like...
0: We're we're about to get into fun facts here. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts before we get into that?
1: No, I yeah i I, I, li- I liked it you know I, I definitely like walking away from it like I, I thought it was really good like I said I think the idea that it was it felt very high budget yet it was a it was like a stolen B movie technically so it's like just an interesting juxtaposition but I, I I enjoyed it I thought it was cool i I liked the cast I thought it was a it was a cool cast um yeah.
0: Well, I was all l- lucky to, from Tyrone Power, he he really wanted to change how the public perceived him. He, he was done with romantic and swashbuckler roles. So he was familiar with this book and he went to Daryl Zanuck and requested that he buy the rights for the novel so he could star in it. So they paid $50,000 for the rights. Mm-hmm. And they were also were like, we needed to cast this with top names. You know, this needs to be a well-cast movie mm-hmm. and also with a name director, you know, as much as Edwin Golding didn't really... Do too much film noir, you know, he'd done so much other stuff. He was a, a sure thing, especially in the Fox stable. So there wasn't too much worry with that. It was really more of the content, which Zanuck had actually found basically distasteful. <laughs> yeah. And he took the movie out of circulation almost immediately, which caused it to be a bit of a failure. But then it was re-released in 56 to 57 and, and did quite well, especially in the drive-in circuit. Yeah. That had really helped for it, as well as when Tyrone Power had died. It was on television a lot and and people really enjoyed it. And then of course, once we got into our 21st century, you know, it got a whole new revival and love, especially within the film noir community. So it seems to have found its place. You hear about this one quite a bit.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely.
0: So yeah, and also to make the film believable, they actually built a working carnival that was 10 acres, which is pretty awesome on the 20th Century Fox backlot. And they hired over a hundred sideshow attractions and carnival people. To work at it and make it feel authentic. Which I, I would say it succeeded in, absolutely. No, no, it definitely did. It looked really good. But then old Daryl Zanuck, he was like, you know what? I don't like the ending. It's too dark. So he forced them to add that ending that I was just poo-pooing. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame. Because in the novel, especially that was, the, the ending was basically that he's now doomed to work as a geek. And he's going to be a drunk for the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, I I could see
1: both sides of it. Like, I mean, it would have been a super super downer downer ending. Uh, I mean, that that's more in line with the film noir style. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean,
0: honestly, Dan, if I was watching this movie with people who had never seen it, I would just stop it right at that scene. I I, I think it it takes so much away for that with that additional scene. Mm-hmm. It took away like ten percent of my enjoyment. Okay, it's not too. But bad. I liked it. I I liked it, but I didn't love it. You know, like I, there's mm-hmm. a lot here. They are remaking this movie, Dan. yes, yes. Some big names, all big. I mean, it's a kind of a similar situation, yeah. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, not really known for noir, really, at all, more horror, yeah. Um, and then of course, you got Bradley Cooper starring. I actually watched the trailer of this after I watched this movie, and it's funny because I was like reading the comments, people are like, I have no idea what this is about, but having just watched the movie, it looks pretty like, much like a straightforward remake of it.
1: And I just realized that Ron Perlman's playing Bruno, which is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's like little things like that, but I mean, even like yeah. they had um, like Willem Dafoe, I think was in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's in it. Yeah.
0: And like, he just looked off. Like it all just fell off. Like it doesn't look like it's an improvement in any ways. Then like, even in the ways where you're hoping like, you know, Del Toro is going to really go nuts in the carnival. Like every scene they showed was just like scenes that were redone from this movie. Yeah. That's kind of I... disappointing. But one thing I did find out actually was in 2003, Spain Rodriguez, who had did Trash Man, a famous underground comic from the 70s, Comics with an X, Uh, he had done an adaptation of the novel and I I saw some images from it and it looked like exactly what I wanted from this, just heavy shadows. It's all in black and white. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking that out, looking for a good copy of it. Hopefully I'll find one before this episode comes out and all the Noiros hit eBay. Got to get an advance on them. But that looked really cool and it, it seems like, especially like the novel sounded very interesting too. Like, I, I just don't know if we've fully achieved what's possible with this movie, but I, at the same time, like, maybe we have. I don't think we, I, I don't know. I don't know what the correct medium is for this. Maybe, maybe it doesn't, of course, need to be remade, but maybe as a, a mini series or something, what's coming just doesn't look like what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think in general, I, I'm usually not a fan of remaking stuff. I, I think just in principle, I just, you can just do something else. I think that's just my opinion. Like, just just come up with something creative. You know, like it almost feels like you're just like you're you're just you have nothing else left in the tank, and you're just like, well, we'll just remake this movie. It's like, all right,
0: come I don't on. think anyone has anything left in the tank. I'm I'm just yeah. I, it's I'm not seeing much anymore that's blowing me away with originality. Right. You know, even the best that's things it. is so derivative. You know,
1: right, and that's uh, and that's what it is. You know,
0: good thing this planet's about to explode, or we'd really have to be <laughs> bummed about it. We'll be off the planet soon enough. Don't worry. (laughs) Well, in the meantime, Tyrone Power. So yeah, as we were saying, this was a change of perception for him. You know, this guy came from Mark of Zorro, Marie Antoinette, all all the good stuff. But this was actually his favorite film. And of course, he Mm -hmm. he was very involved with the making of it. And uh, after this film, he had a plane because he was a a pilot from World War II. And he had named his plane The Geek. It was painted Mm -hmm. on the left side of the plane. Unfortunately, he had died from a heart attack at age 44, very young, very wow. tragic. And in his will, speaking of his eyes, he he had put in his will that he wanted his eyes to be donated to the Estelle Doni Eye Foundation hmm. so that they could be, if they were deemed advisable, they can possibly put the corneas of his eyes into another living person or just do a retinal study. Wow. Very innovative with that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with those famous eyes, you know? I wonder who got them. Yeah.
1: That'd, that'd maybe really we interesting could, to look into, yeah.
0: Maybe we could bid on them, you know? Maybe they're back on the market. You want to split them?
1: Uh, I think I'm good.
0: All right, well, then I'll take them. I'm going up to six eyes, Dan. <laughs> A little glasses humor for you.
1: I, I, I picked up one that. That was good.
0: For you and I, of course, but for the people that don't know what our beautiful faces look like.
1: Arby speckled faces. Yeah. The, the,
0: the the fans of the show who don't stalk us, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Edmund Golding, our director, he actually, he was an actor as well. He, he came up in the silent film era. He, he played in three live ghosts as a ghost from 1922, a a silent film. That was a big deal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, then he directed many, many silent films. He worked with Garbo, Joan Crawford, Mm -hmm. Davis, and then eventually, of course, he would get to the Razor's Edge with Gene Tierney and Tyrone Power. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of stuff.
1: Apparently, that was maybe part of the reason why uh, he got Nightmare Alley is because uh, apparently Tyrone Power liked him, and they got yeah, along oh, yeah. very well. So that kind of plays into probably why he got this and maybe a little bit out of character for Golding. It's-
0: yeah, I mean, that's what my research had shown, that this was basically a, a favor for a friend. You know, they enjoyed working together. Yeah. Uh, actually holds the distinction of having directed the most nominated films for best picture without ever receiving a nomination for best director Jeez! and even one of his films the grand hotel had won but nothing for him
1: that's like one of his biggest known
0: ones is uh, yeah won an oscar grant grand hotel yeah jules firthman our screenwriter this guy we know him dan he's been around this is the guy who wrote the big sleep adaptation
2: Mm, yeah. He'd
0: worked uh, a number of times with old horny Howard Hawks as we know him, <laughs> and he had married the actress Sybil Seely, who was in five films directed by Buster Keaton, mm-hmm. and they remained together until his death. Pauline Kael once wrote that Firthman had quote written about half of the most entertaining movies to come out of Hollywood, and in fact, on a UK television program, scene by scene, the host had said quote Firthman wrote some of your best lines, and he wrote. For Marlene Dietrich, those sort of sexy, ambiguous lines, excuse me, end quote. Mm. And Lauren Bacall, who he was talking to, replied, quote, he did? Well, that I didn't know. I asked Howard Hawks once why he used Firthman, as he didn't write the entire screenplay. For the big sleep, of course. Mm. And Hawks said, if there are five ways to play a scene, Firthman will write a six way. And of course, that makes perfect sense. And that's exactly what Firthman did. He Mm -hmm. always came around the back way. And suddenly there was a little surprise there. (laughs) <laughs> end quote total pro yes on the opposite end of that spectrum we have the author william Lindsay gresham ah this poor guy he he had a rough life coming up but that's kind of also what attracted him to the carnival mm-hmm. you know he always had a fascination with it at first he worked um, as a editor for a true crime pulp magazine and he would write a lot of stories that way until eventually he, he wrote our, our old friend nightmare alley and actually, in the book, each chapter is represented by a different different tarot card. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'd be interesting to bring into this remake, you know, chapters, tarot cards. Well,
1: it makes me think of the the ones part of the, yes, yeah, so we can make a quick mention of uh, the Blu-ray uh, with Criterion that just came out that has the tarot cards in there, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, but overall, I didn't like this design. It's too, I don't know, carnival-y. It's too bright, like, I don't mind it. It didn't, I,
1: I see, I, I like I this aesthetic. Like a, anything like art, kind of art deco-ish, but
0: like. It's too like, it's, it's just too much like a modern sensibility of that though. Like it's clearly not trying to go from like an original design. Mm-hmm. They're using the fucking carnival font in Photoshop, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't mind it. But after Gresham had returned to the United States after World War II, he was staying in a tuberculosis ward. He tried to kill himself. And then he finally married Joy Davidman. And they had a troubling relationship. David Mann was originally a Jewish atheist, but then she had become enthralled with the writings of C.S. Lewis, you know, who was a big time Christian and that led mm-hmm. her to converting to Christianity. Gresham had basically just had a violent episode with her, beat her up. And she's like, you know what? I'm done. So she fled overseas to be with C.S. Lewis. And then they had become, she got divorced to Gresham. She married C.S. Lewis and, became a very famous uh, love story. They made a movie about it, Shadowlands.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Gresham, he, he didn't do so hot after that. He started to go blind and was diagnosed with tongue cancer. And then in uh, 1962, he checked into the Hotel Carter, which uh, he actually had begun writing the first draft of Nightmare Alley Inn and decided to kill himself with the overdose of sleeping pills. Wow. In his pocket, they found business cards reading, quote, no address, no phone, no business, no money, retired. Jeez. Well, he wrote, and he wrote some,
1: like, he wrote, like, a Houdini biography, too, and like, and like a book about people that work at carnivals, too. Like, he wrote, like, nonfiction as well. Like, he didn't write that many books, but. Yeah, uh, exactly.
0: And that, when he started, when, he was, working, when yeah. he was working for that true crime magazine, especially, he was writing a lot of nonfiction carnival stories as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he definitely had a, a theme to him, that guy. He's kind of like Chem Nunn, the guy who wrote the story that was based on Point Break or became mm-hmm. Point Break. Like all of his stuff was surfing books. <laughs> yeah. just, just different versions of it. George Jessel, he was a producer on this movie. This guy, oh my God, this guy sucks. <laughs> uh-huh. He was an actor, singer, uh, he was an illustrated song model. And he's basically known as just being a, a guy who's like very famous as being an MC he was more known for being that than actually like the few movies that he ended up making. He had a nickname that he was well known by as the Toastmaster general of the United States. Cause he had shown up as the master of ceremonies at political and entertainment gatherings. Yeah. But this guy, he sucked women hated him. He got married and then divorced for grounds of cruelty. Uh, he molested <laughs> everybody, including uh, what's her name? Dan? Shirley temple. Shirley temple. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's nuts. Yeah. He's marrying 16-year-olds. Yeah. Bad guy. This guy easily would get along with uh, old Stan, I think. Joan Blondell. She married old Dick Powell. That's a good time. And, I like Dick uh, Powell. Yeah, I like Dick Powell, too. And I like Joan Blondell. So mm-hmm. it seems like a good good choice there. Good match, yeah. Colleen Gray, of course, like we said, she was in The Killing, and she'll be back for The Sleeping City and Kansas City Confidential. And
1: I was going to say Kansas City Confidential. Yeah, she's great yeah. at
0: she will be back. And then, of course, Helen Walker, who was our Lilith Ritter. Boy, what a, another tragic life, unfortunately. Right after filming this movie, while she was filming Heaven Only Knows, she was in an auto accident that just totally ruined her career. Mm-hmm. Um, she picked up three hitchhikers, and then um, the car hit a divider, and it flipped over. It killed one of the hitchhikers. And then everyone else suffered serious injuries. The two survivors had sued her for basically the equivalent of $1.7 million now. She was also charged with manslaughter. And then after that, these guys, they seemed like they were becoming very greedy with these cases. And so Walker's attorney, she was able to block that she was driving intoxicated. Then the two plaintiffs were actually arrested on unrelated charges, probably something to do with hitchhiking possibly. Mm. Oh, here we go. This is what it is. One was fingered as a suspect in an armed robbery. And then the other one had a 1944 narcotics charge and was arrested from that. So then her, her charges were dismissed afterwards. Also, tough time at finding love. She was married to a department store executive for two years. And then she made her final appearance in one of our fave movies that we did, The Big Combo.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: And then she retired at the age of 35. Only we're so lucky, Dan, huh? Yeah. But it's quite a movie to go out on. Absolutely. That was was a good choice. Then in 1960, her house had burned down. Man. And eight years later, she died of cancer at the age of 47. Wow. What a shame, because she was great. We could have absolutely used more of her. Yeah, I'd like to
1: do it. It's it's public domain, I think. But uh, she was in a film noir called Impact that i I really want to see because Elle Reigns is in it too. Uh, yes. So maybe maybe that'll be another another reason to to bring her
0: back into the fold. I'm sure we could find a reason. She definitely deserves yep. to be here for sure. But in the meantime, next week, why don't we go ahead and bring in another old friend back into the fold? That's right. We're wild for Cornell Wild. Although also we got a little. Dan Garryhan! That's right guys, we're going to 1955's Storm Fear.
1: Oh man, I can't wait. I've been looking forward to this one.
0: This looks like it's going to be a good time, and then of course we're continuing our series on Neo Noir. Neo Noir Vember is here. We got our third entry in the series, Thief, so please join us then. We know we love Thiefs, I mean there's nothing really... (laughs) (laughs) We We can't really
1: hide our enthusiasm for it, I think.
0: We'll try to get some, I mean, maybe not new angles, but try to figure out how to approach the show. You know, we'll rank our Michael Mann favorites, maybe. We'll see. We'll, we'll see play, what we'll, the lads we'll come year. up with on that one. We're going to, I yeah. don't know if we'll play it by ear. I'm going to try to come with something. But okay. All <laughs> right. I think the problem has been we've been playing it by ear. Uh, maybe, maybe so. Maybe it's time to uh, use a nose or eyes or something or the mouth, huh? Let's talk. People don't want to just <laughs> listen to us listening.
1: I think we covered all the senses,
0: I think. Almost. I should hope so. But if you think we missed the sense or you want to talk about us listening, listening to us listening, uh, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. Send us a blank email. That'd be fun. Watch us not respond to it, but we'll appreciate it and we'll have a chuckle to ourselves or respond with a blank comment on Instagram out of podcast, out of the cast on Twitter. I think you could send a, maybe like a white picture, like a picture of just pure white tweeted at us and we'll know we'll know why <laughs> we'll know why and uh yeah i mean that's everything that's a that's everybody danny got any plugs uh i think by now
1: it's, it's been out for a little bit but the new language in town album's out so check Probably that have out
0: tapes by this point i should yeah quote.
1: yeah tapes are out
0: <laughs> tapes are out little postcard surprise
1: yeah
0: yeah it's good stuff
1: if you like tapes they do yeah
0: they like film noir clearly they like tapes i mean it's I would Basically hope. the same thing. Yes, it's an appreciation of the classics. Yes. All right. Well, that'll do it, Dan. I'm going to come back on a uh, video for this last part. Finally, I get to see you. <laughs> I probably should popped in sooner. I've been waiting. But that's all right. We're popping the champagne as well. the The ginger ale champagne. Mm-hmm. The champagne of sodas. To yeah. say
1: <laughs> it pretty and much is.
0: Here's the carnival here's the, crime.
2: Here's
1: the carnival crimes. <laughs>
2: <Ridden> <laughs>